Merry Christmas, Elaine. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mark. Doesn't quite work when you're a girl. <laughs> well, that's sad that we've not it's moved sad. on with these times. <laughs> it's very sad. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you the question that we ask every year. Go on, then. Do you remember the format for these? Nope. Would you like to remind me? <laughs> it's been through been this whole fourth year, so that's the third time of me reminding you. It's Although been a you did once forget years. it in the two days between recording the best of TV and the best of films. So Yeah, that sounds about right. I yeah. don't remember that, but that sounds exactly what I would do. So we will start with our start with our lists each. Go one each. I start at ten, you start at ten. When you read them out, you look at the other person. And you realise, you work out whether they or have it later on. And if they have it later on in their list, then we'll leave it and we'll come back to it later on okay. when it's at the highest of anyone else's. So it's 10 down to 1. Yes. We look at each other. If we have the same TV show, we move on. Yes. I have it. Not if we have this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we'll... Well, okay. So if we have it on our list somewhere. Yes. Right. Yeah. Fine. Okay. I'm sure the, that won't happen numerous times on my list so be prepared for me to go and my number eight and my number seven well that's again that's how it's been for the past three years of me having to remind you no you need to ask me like these things i have watched a lot of television this year i've not watched as much Mm. i feel mine are more repeated shows that i've seen before Um, so like a season yeah season two season three three. although i think there's enough on there that i'm not not an absolute disgrace to this. Yeah, I, I feel very differently about my best, t- best TV of 2023 compared to my best movies of 2023. I have scraped that list together. Whereas with this one, I've also got... And I don't know if we do this either. So um, this will be fun. I don't know whether we do also rans. Do we normally do also rans? Because I've got a long list of them. I mean, I've got also rans, but... Uh-huh. Let's n- can we do also rounds at the end? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise then it gives away what's yeah is or isn't on your list. What, but it's just to say my also rounds go on roundabout as much as my list. you know like you're looking at them and you're going could I make another top ten? Yes, I could. I might just leave the podcast and leave you two <laughs> just reading them out. Then I might go and like play a game or um, and then at the end of the, the, the podcast just the uh, the volume just going really low and low and low as I carry on. Hours later. <laughs> Okay, we start at 10. Yeah, do you want to go first or should I? I'm happy to go first. Right, well, I think TV's your thing, so I'll go first. So your number one <laughs> Why is did the... you ask me if, you, if you're then going to go first? <laughs> Fair point. Thank you. You're number 10 then, Mark. I expected you to... No, this is what happens, right? This is an insight. I normally ask you something and I don't, know, I don't even know what you said because... You expected me to say you go first, Mark. No, I expected yeah? you to say, oh, I don't know, because that's what you do and you don't like to commit to something. <laughs> I was trying out something new. It was a new personality trait. Did it you felt say, very odd. Did you say that you'd go first? Yes, I did. But I didn't really want to. Of but all I, the times. I know, I thought, I'll be more confident and I'll just say, yeah, I'll do it. I feel this makes me look bad. No, it doesn't. I just it completely doesn't. ignored what you were saying. No, no, you've been with me for over a decade. I've just thrown a curveball in. And it didn't pay off. No, it didn't. You go first then. You're number 10. Okay. My number 10. And like you with films, I feel this might be stretching things a little bit. But my 10 is Celebrity Race Across the World. And we will be coming back to that later on in my list. Oh, okay. Not I, a stretch. I thought, well, <laughs> it says a lot about your list if that's <laughs> the case. Okay, what's your number 10? My number 10 is the series three of Only Murders in the Building. 
Now, this is interesting. Yes. Because you haven't seen <laughs> series one or two. No. Uh, but I heard really good things about it, and I also heard that there was a musical theatre bent to it. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go. I'm going to put on episode one, and, you know, if, if I don't like it, I won't even remember. No loss. I've got plenty of other TV to watch. Yeah. And then I watched episode two, and then I watched episode three, and then I was waiting for it to come on each week. And I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed being with the people. I enjoyed the characters. You know comedy isn't my thing. I've, I've found out now that other people have worked this out as well. I realise we do a podcast and other people listen, but it's still really weird when people who I know, but only recently know, people who've come into my life recently go, I know you don't like comedy. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I've sort of let out some of my secrets into the world. Uh, but yeah, famously... <laughs> In, within a small group of people. Famously. Famously. <laughs> infamously. Um, I'm a bit tone deaf when it comes to comedy. But it's not that I'm laughing out loud at this series of Only Murders in the Building. Put that on the poster. Yep, thank you. It's just that I'm gently, wryly smiling internally. I love the musical theatre references. Tenth best show on the year, everybody. <laughs> I love the musical theatre, and I mean, it's set a lot in the theatre. I love the theatre. Like, I'll go down to London on my own to watch the theatre. And I, I really like the idea of behind the scenes as well. And those oh, the things that happen in... The, uh, there's part of me that like, wishes I, I was like... When I was younger, I think now, if I think back to what I would love to do and thinking about what I wanted to do when I was younger but didn't really realise it at the time, it was either to be a writer or to be like a musical theatre star. And so shows like this really tap into that and people in the show talk about that as well like wanting to be on the stage I I want to be on the stage like there's a tiny little bit of my brain that wants to be on a show like that to stand on the stage and to perform and that's where it really really taps into obviously there's a murder as well and there's Meryl Streep so all of those things put together makes it my number 10. What you have just said of just missing the first two series of a TV show is the most alien thing in my mind. Yes. So I I want to watch this, but at this point it's now a commitment. So you need to, did you watch the first series? No, I watched the first couple episodes. Oh with you're saying you, it's me. And then mm. I I was waiting for you to want to watch more, but I think you tailed I'd off. gone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well so I'm happy to watch them again. So we could do it together. Oh silence. Silence in the room. You've seen, what you know what happens. Yeah, but I don't know what happens in the prequels. Anyway. <laughs> right, you're number nine. Um, I think you should leave season three. Okay, so it's not something I've watched. Why is it your number nine? Tim Robinson's sketch comedy. I think this is probably the lowest of the three seasons so far. But memorable sketches, the pay it forward sketch, the jelly bean sketch... The driving crooner sketch all have stayed with me, and things I will just look up on Netflix when I just or YouTube as, as as these are so shareable clips. And when I just want to be cheered up, I mean the the pay it forward sketch I think is brilliant, just to get that that pay it forward like ethos and just really rip it up apart to its most uh, it, its most um, it's most annoying really. Also good because a number of wrestlers made cameos in this. Oh, uh, for reasons I have no why? idea why, but yeah, that makes more sense. In yeah, it. yeah. Um, but yeah, if if you've not seen this, like it's fifteen minute episodes. It's on Netflix. It's so so funny, and the 
I can just watch these some of these sketches multiple times. So yeah, it's really worth if you want just cheering up, putting them on. Your number nine. My number nine is your number ten. It's Celebrity Race Across the World. Hey. Yay. And I kind of wanted to sort of like share it with non-celebrity race across the world and I thought about doing like a slash and then and then I thought no be be more like go for it and I just was like no it's the celebrity version that I really enjoyed this year I think this is the best series since the first series of race across the world I was quite excited when they said celebrity race across the world you rolled your eyes no I was not yeah but I think they've, they picked really good people to be on there um Melanie Blatt and Harry Judd I think we were both really familiar with um, and they were accompanied by Mel's mum, Helen, and Harry's mum, Emma. Also a legend. Two legend mums there. But then there's Alex Beresford, the, yeah. the the morning weather guy with his dad, Noel. Breakout stars for me, though, um, Billy and Bonnie. Oh, Billy uh, and Billy Monger, Mon- the race car driver who had an accident and now wears prosthetic legs. And his sister, Bonnie. Someone give them a TV show of their own. Someone just make them our friends. <laughs> Give them lots of money and just let them do whatever they want to do because they're just lovely, lovely people. And what a beautiful relationship as well between um, siblings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the hype for this said, oh, how are they going to do it when they're not on um, not on first class jets and stuff like that? It wasn't that show at all. No, it wasn't. Um, I mean, Melly Blatt showed a lot of like... Vulnerability. Yeah, that's exactly the word I'm looking for. That I didn't expect from someone who's had like four UK number ones. Harry Judd just had a lovely relationship with his mum. Although we saw a little bit too much of Harry Judd, I thought. Um, when things go wrong, I, 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 I think he sometimes took it quite badly, which I didn't expect from a, oh, from a celebrity. Okay. Like there were times where he speaks to his mum and I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't. I think that's quite. I think that's showing stress, and I think that's showing real life relationships. Like yeah. if you and I went on it, yeah. there would be times where people would be saying to me, "How on earth can she speak to him like that?" Because I can get really narky, and you know me well enough to not get upset about it. Case in point, last night when you got into bed, and I just you said to me, "Do you want to cuddle?" And I was like, "No, I just want to be by myself." And other people would have just like got out of bed and gone right well i'll leave you to you know you, instead you turned around to me and just went no you don't <laughs> just carried on sitting next to me and looking at me and essentially just waiting for me to come and give you a hug did you want to be alone i don't i don't think i, I knew at the time <laughs> i think i was just saying random things which is what you do when you've been when you know someone for a long time you can almost push boundaries i think so much more where you can just go oh i want to be by myself when you might not know if you want to be by yourself or not and i think that's what you might have seen there and what you see with a lot i mean there's always strains when you are cold and you're hungry and you're but that's what i think this version really wins at because i was against it due to the celebrity issue i thought everyone's going to recognize them they're going to be treated really really differently from the original crew from the non-celebs that didn't happen they and actually it really showed that it doesn't matter how much sort of fame and fortune and money and you know that you are these people are normal they are humans they are you know i I thought it was really really interesting psychologically as well as just the the show yeah um if you've not seen any of these shows because we've talked about them a lot but i think a lot of people i come across still haven't heard of it it's really worth checking out race across the world they've had three series 
and now the celebrities, and I think they're on the iPlayer, so really worth checking out. So my number eight mm-hmm. is Sex Education Season 4. Oh, lovely, which we've only just finished, because yes. we are so late to the party. Is this anywhere on your list? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, really? Oh, sorry, I forgot to say that. No, it's not. Okay. Um. So let me say, I don't, I don't think this is a perfect series by any means, and I think that reflects the ranking in this the kids have left the school and have gone to a new college and for me i think the college is one of the weakest elements of the show from start to finish it's the moment that the styling of the series goes from something which is lovely in the background to just being way too in your face um you know they make this college where there's slides down and stuff like that and it's it just feels a little bit too much i really liked the viv cal and Adam's storyline this season, and two of those characters are ones we haven't been with from the beginning. Um, I don't think a lot of the new characters worked. I really liked uh, Taddy Graham as O, although I didn't really like the storyline that she was in with Otis. I really liked Alexandra James as Aisha, uh, who is a deaf actress. Obviously, we've spoken about this many times in every season, is talk about representation in this show, and it's really good. But I think this series they went to the next level in showing the issues that people who need representation face Mm. in previous seasons um i feel the people who are represented here are represented in spite of their differences uh so we have characters in wheelchairs we have characters who are gay we have characters who are trans but their disabilities their sexuality is not necessarily the thing driving the storyline I think in this, we see a lot of the issues that are faced by mm. them be- because of their religion, because of their sexuality, because of their disabilities. And I think I th- that that did feel refreshing for me. Uh, and it's made some important points that took up in my mind to think. Still really important messages. Um, Rida Elazoa, who plays Bo, I think played really, really well the character uh, in the Viv storyline. I'm not going to spoil it because I know people might not necessarily have seen it. I feel the the main cast got a little bit left behind. I feel Eric has a hugely emotional moment in the season finale. And I think Maeve has one earlier in the season in an episode which really, really got my heartstrings. I feel Otis is just in the background of this season. Things are happening around him. And as I said, the storyline between him and O didn't really click. I, I agree with your your take on it in in all all areas. I really liked how they brought the mental health issues to the fore in in terms of disability, in terms of gender sexuality, the way that people identify. It's it it really did bring home the the challenges faced. Whereas you're right, before it was very much a show that was talking about equality and not necessarily getting into the nitty gritty of what it is like to be a wheelchair user and not have your school lift work you know that it's such an important point and it's something that it's part of our world as well because our son's a wheelchair user so it's things that you go yes finally someone's talking about this you know what we got into a lift today and I was really terrified that it wasn't going to work or we were going to get stuck and that it's that's day-to-day challenges but I also agree with you that I found it really difficult to move to another college to be around new students that I didn't know very well and and to I sort of felt myself really want longing to be with the people that we've kind of grown up with over the 
the, and that's just because we've been with the show for so long. And we love these characters. And we so love the, much. these characters. And it wasn't that the new characters weren't great. They were, and they had great storylines. It was just that your your heart is with the people that you've been with the longest. Yeah. Um, it it didn't make my list because I think it jumped forward stylistically in a couple of places that I just couldn't get along with. There's always been this weird line with sex education where. It's it's got a realism, but also a hyper realism. It's got a modernity, but a retro. And I thought just went over the line a couple of times th- this season. And some people will absolutely love that, and that's absolutely brilliant for mm. me. It I was ju- it just because I am really boring. It just pushed it a bit too far for me. That was all. Okay. Okay. But I still brilliant. That. I understand and that. Like you said, that um the episode that you're talking about with Maeve. Oh, that was just astonishing. And I've I've cried loads watching it. So it's yeah. not to say it's a bad show. It just didn't make my top ten. Mm. You know? Okay. Okay. What's your number eight? <laughs> so I'm laughing already. My number eight is Shetland. Oh, for <laughs> So if anyone's listened to uh, our earlier episodes, um, you will know that I became a little bit obsessed with Shetland this year. Shetland has been on our screens <laughs> for over a decade. And um, I didn't really watch it very much in the uh, in the early series. Didn't think to come back to it, but the lead detective left uh, last year, and I thought that was sort of the end of it. But it wasn't. They brought on board Ashley Jensen to uh, come in as Di Ruth Calder. See, I can just it just rolls off my tongue. It's because I've written about it as well, <laughs> and I'm slightly obsessed with it. Anyway, um, Ruth is a Met detective. She is from Shetland originally, and lo and behold, a crime is committed and she has to go back to Shetland. And I, I just loved it. I, It's one of those shows where it wasn't put on the iPlayer, because it's a BBC show. It wasn't put on the iPlayer all at once. I had to wait for it to come out, and I was just begging to like for the next episode, the next episode. I didn't see where it was going. It takes some really dark turns. I mean... There are there are deaths. There are characters that you you would like. Oh yeah, they're not. And oh, they are. And there are um, turns of storyline that are interesting. Let's put that in inverted commas. So I just loved it. I loved the story. There's some amazing acting in it, and I think it will be pushed to one side because oh, it's a BBC crime drama set in the Shetland Isles. I think people will look at it like that. But it, I know it's I am. brilliant. Yeah, I know you have. But I, I I really want a shout out and a lot of the things I'm at, I want a shout out for things that don't necessarily get picked up because I think there is a prejudice or an expectation around them. And I that it absolutely deserved to be on my list. It kept me entertained. I love the acting. I love the story and I, I really hope that Ashley Jensen stays and comes back from it, and, and it carries on. I don't. Yes, you do. No, I, <laughs> I'm glad it makes you happy. Yes, thank you. Um, may I go on? Yeah, go on. What's your number eight? Um, my number eight is Sex Education Season oh, 4, if you remember sorry. how this works. What's your number seven? <laughs> Ted Lasso Season 3. Okay, so yeah, I've never seen Ted Lasso. Famously. Famously. I will not watch it. This is the season where it went from a 30-minute comedy with a bit of drama to a 45-plus minute drama with a bit of comedy. Uh, it's also the final season, at least in this form. This is low on my list because they ripped up some of the great work they did in season two. 
there was an ongoing storyline all the way through the season of really good character development and they just ripped this up at the start of season three and it really, really pissed me off. I suspect this was COVID-related for a number of reasons because there's other plots that appear and are just dropped. There's a character called Zaza who just appears appears to be a massive part of the storyline and then dies on the way to his home planet. However, it's got some of the best plots from any season of this. There is a plot with the guy called Colin, who's a young Welsh footballer who we've seen all the way through, and we learn a lot more about him. Absolutely had me in tears with his the way that he relates to his team, the way he relates to the captain of his team. A phenomenal piece of work. Even though it is quite an obvious storyline for a footballer show, it is, it, it's absolutely perfectly done. This season really became the Jamie and Roy show, who were characters who started out hating each other, but become so much more than that. And then for a show which coming to the finale, it absolutely stuck the landing. So I have my issues with this season, but overall, it's absolutely worth it. And t- two episodes back to back to end the series, which absolutely not perfect. What's your number seven? My number seven is something that you haven't seen, but I, I would really, really, I'd really like you to. And I'm happy to watch it again with you. And that's the final, the third and final series of There She Goes. Oh, yes. So There She Goes. Isn't this a special? Yeah, I, you know, I was just thinking about that when I was about to say that. I was like, is it a series or was it like a comeback special? And I think you're right. I was going to Google it quickly when you weren't looking. But then you were saying so many nice things about Ted Lasso. I was like, no, you'll have a go. <laughs> so I'm tapping away in the, back, in the background. So yeah, it's not just like one episode. It's multiple episodes. So to me, it's a bit like a, a, like a mini series. Um, so there she goes. If you don't know anything about it, is a comedy drama on the BBC about severely learning disabled a little girl called Rosie, her mum and dad and brother. And one of the things that I love about There She Goes is that when, you know, if you were to look into our house, I feel that our house and our family, minus the um, sort of the brother that's in There She Goes, it, it's just completely represented by that TV show. So the jokes that are made the um the way things go slightly wrong the decisions the um the challenges it's i just find myself watching episodes of it when i have a bad day due to society's crappiness around the fact that if you have a profoundly disabled child which we do things aren't accessible people are rubbish sometimes even if they are well-meaning and the world is very different if you have that family set up and it makes me feel less alone as a parent there's also timeline switches so and, and that gives me so much confidence as a parent of a profoundly disabled child in in that I can see in the program it will flash back to a couple of years ago where things were tough so there's a a flashback in um one of the earlier series about rosie being asked to leave nursery because her additional needs um cannot be met by the nurse or the nursery is unwilling to fulfill those additional needs and the look on the face of her mother was played by jessica hines and then coming home and then 
the dad played by David, David Tennant, like absolutely swearing and, you know, and then, you know, all the, the anger and the frustration and, you know, shouting out things like, they should absolutely be, they are privileged to have her, you know, and we have not had that experience because we had a wonderful nursery that looked after our son, but I remember feeling terrified that we would never find anywhere that would, you know, provide that safety and security and comfort for our son. Yeah. Um, and even if we did, what if one day they turned around and said, oh, we can't go there anymore. And in the show, um, the mum had just gone back to work and she was just feeling like she was getting a bit of a life back. So that's just an example. And then you flash forward a couple of years to having lots of care and lots of support and being at school. And it, it, it really helps me as a parent who has that, that experience. This sort of special in particular really looks at the challenges and the joys of a child reaching puberty as well. So it kind of follows through. And I know that I can go back to this when we reach that stage and yeah. get even more from it. Um, and I'm the humour, the humour is so dark and it's exactly the same humour that we use and it's so refreshing and freeing to hear that on television. And I, I won't repeat one of the jokes on the podcast because out of context, it sounds awful, but I told you one the other night when we were bathing our son <laughs> and you absolutely, because you were like, that is what we say behind closed doors. Yeah. That is the thing that, that is the sort of joke that is so dark, we would say that behind closed doors and they say it on the BBC and it's brilliant. And um, there's also a moment at the end of this special that it's a kind of if you know you know moment and once you realize what's going on you'll just cry for about three hours okay so be prepared for that when oh, you watch joy. it yeah. yeah please watch it because you've loved the other series and i think you'll get a lot out yeah of it. and i don't know why i didn't watch it hmm. um i think it just came at a weird time where yeah. i had other things going on and because yeah. it is, it's it's challenging it's a yeah. challenging watch particularly because it it's reflects still on an hour sky cue box because i need to watch it yeah. um i love this tv show I really hoped that I could get this in before just to see if it would make the list. But yeah, I, I just couldn't quite make it because we're doing this before we travel. My number six is Beef. Remind me of Beef. Beef is a Netflix TV show uh, starring Stephen Yun and Ali Wong. Yes. Yes, I've got it now. Um, the basic premise is Ali Wong pulls out on Stephen Young while he's reversing. They have a road rage incident where they don't quite know who's driving the other car. And then that escalates slowly through 10 episodes of people hating each other and trying to wreck each other's lives. This is such a well-written TV show. It really is addictive. The show lengths are about 30 minutes. Some of them are shorter than that. I think there's maybe one that's three quarters of an hour, but the majority of them you can just watch it just before you go to bed. It is, it's funny. It's touching at times, but yeah, this is so well written and such a good drama. Um, I'd really recommend anyone to watch it who hasn't seen it already because it really is one of the best things from Netflix this year. Looking down my thing, it is the best thing from Netflix because <laughs> nothing else is on Netflix. So of course I'm saying that. What's your number six? It's Becoming Elizabeth. Do you remember me talking about Becoming Elizabeth on Channel 4? If I say yes, um, and, <laughs> then you, and, and then you explain to the <laughs> listeners what it is. So it is, um, it's a historical drama. 
it's the early years of Elizabeth I, essentially before she became Elizabeth I, well, well before she became Elizabeth I. Genuinely no recollection of this <laughs> really? being talked about. Do you not? We, we definitely covered it on, there is an episode where I talk about it at length. Was this a we covered it? Or was this a <laughs> no, it was, it was it? me. I covered it on the podcast. You definitely did not watch it. Was this it. one of yours? I'm going to cover it quickly. 15 minutes later, Mark's, was, uh, Mark's checking his text. Yeah, He's yeah, you may have uh, switched off during it. This was a stars show, which would normally sort of put me off a little bit, but it got such good reviews. People were saying that the depiction of the young Elizabeth, so she's a teenager at the time, um, that the the other characters as well, so, you know, the, the oh, so you know, the Catherine Parr, the Seymours, Mary Tudor, Lady Jane Grey, a lot of the big players are, are in this. Edward VI, um, for he is the king at this time, Time. So it's essentially on the death of Henry VIII, his three children, uh, his three children are alive, and there it's all this, this, these machinations and politics and games of the king is very young, he can't actually really be king, he has to have a protector. Who's the protector going to be? Um, and then also he, the king is a Protestant. You've got Mary, his sister, who's a Catholic. You've got his uh, sister Elizabeth, who's, all, uh, who's a Protestant, but sometimes you know moves over the. It's it's fascinating. It it's really really well done it's incredibly lavish it's very natural as well the lighting is really natural you feel like you're in houses of the oldie worldie um it's also got a lot of sex in it it's you sold <laughs> you said that at the time um because it opens up with a sex scene between Catherine parr and her lover thomas seymour when the king is dead and Thomas Seymour is saying some quite fruity things to Catherine Parr. That's not the sort of stuff that you saw in the 1970s BBC depiction of Henry VIII and his six wives. But it is what you saw in the Tudors. Yes, but it's not as... I mean, the Tudors... It was in your face. It was sexy. Even the opening credits had people getting their boobs out. You know, it was all... Oh, here's I'm a pretty bit of sure leg. there's no nip in the... Uh... No, there's not, but it's like... let me. There's a bit where she's like unloosening the lace on a top of it so and then it goes bring with the music and then there's someone like getting their their dress up their leg to show like a garter off it's all a bit like it's pretend sexy do you know what i mean fucking hell a garter yeah i know exactly very sexy this is like you, you can this is proper simulated sex scenes that you are watching um why are you looking at me like are you trying not to say something no Any- no no not at all anyway it really reminded me of Wolf Hall, um, which, interestingly, that was a BBC production, very genteel, definitely not as much sex in it. Um, interestingly, they are coming back for um, the next chapter of Wolf Hall, which I think is Bring Up bring up the Bodies. I'm going to get that wrong. But anyway, it, it just reminded me of that. It came to Channel 4 a year after being on Stars, And I was on Twitter and... Normally, the things that I watch don't get picked up on Twitter, but I was looking for this on Twitter and people were going mad about it. There were loads of women like me and men all saying, just really enjoying this, don't know much about the history. Some people were saying other people who did know the history really liked the depiction of it. Um, I, I just really enjoyed it. Very sadly, they have uh, cancelled it. It was cancelled before it even came to Channel 4. I think that is a mistake. They were just building up to Lady Jane Grey, uh, played by Bella Ramsey. They were b- building up to the power that Mary Tudor, played by Rumbola Garai. Like, she is, like, one of my favourite actresses in the whole world. And I know you're about to say something because you don't know who she is. I have no is. idea yeah. who that person she's is. Absolute, she's stunning and just so clever and one of the best depictions of Mary Tudor I've ever seen. You know, in really giving her 
all the nuance that she had rather than, oh, well, she was this ugly woman who didn't have any kids. It's like, that is not who Mary Tudor was. She was charismatic. She was multilingual. She was political. And that's, are you looking up Romola Garay? <laughs> and I think I'm not saying I name no, right. No, I'm um, looking up Rumbola Garay. <laughs> yeah, um, so but it has also corrected. M-O-L-A. I've never seen this woman in my, in that, my life. Lovely. Well, it doesn't matter, does it? Because <laughs> we've come to the end of my review. Anyway, I would have loved to have seen her take take Mary Tudor to the next step. They should absolutely bring it back. They said it had low ratings. I mean, oh, it's ridiculous. So, yes. I mean, that probably is true, though. They wouldn't know, know that. I know, but give it, it, it give it's sad a when, chance. It's sad when your TV, when your TV shows And so much money had been put into it. Um, yeah. yeah, therein lies the problem, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, it's my number five, and it is my sixth monthly um, explanation of what Starstruck is. Oh, God, yeah, go on. Starstruck is a rom-com sitcom. Yeah, go on. Rom- go sitcom, with that. Go on sit- with that. Rom-com? A rom-com anyway. sitcom. Uh, where Rose Matafea, who plays Jesse, also the writer and producer of the show, goes on a New Year's Eve night out, hooks up with a guy, takes him home. They have a lovely time together. She wakes up and realises he is Britain's leading hunky film star. And they come together and they drift apart now over three seasons. Uh, When this season started, we left them together because that's how seasons end. And (laughs) for the second season in a row, they found a way in episode one to have them drift apart and my eyes rolled. But this didn't follow the same suit of them coming back together. They went off, they met other people and bump into each other as people who loved each other and drifted apart and that's what this series is about it's beautifully told i am still team john um tessie i don't know i don't think this this show's got a big enough um fan base to have like a a funny name yeah like a brangelina yes like a brangelina i'm Mm. trying to think what the word is spoonerism is it Mm. no no No, i think that's what it's turned it right uh, anywhere yeah but yeah um this is, it's all on iPlayer. It's beautifully told. It's funny. It's smart. It's observant. The leads are eminently likable. There's no one who's a dickhead in this, unless they're meant to be a dickhead and therefore you're supposed to hate them. People are nice to each other. Um, and sometimes people drift apart while they're nice to each other. And that's what we learn. You won't watch it because you dislike <laughs> it. I don't dislike it. I just, I gave it a go to begin with. It wasn't for me. And I just never went went back to it. These are not the shows that I would typically watch. Well, what's a show that you would typically watch at number five, then? <laughs> the show I would typically watch at number five is Bodies, uh, which was on Netflix this year, which you have not seen yet. No, I haven't. Um, I know enough about this now to maybe not want to watch it. Oh, okay. So I was going to just give like a sort of a sentence on it because I didn't want to give anything away to people people who hadn't seen it uh bodies involves four detectives four timelines and a body and you as the viewer weave your way through the different timelines or with the different detectives (laughs) and trying to work out why this body has landed in various times of our history Including our future. 
Was that enough to put you off? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Not, was that not... was that the the thing that just put you off the the whole the whole show? Did the central mystery just make you go? Ugh. Yeah, my bullshit detector for post lost sci fi mysteries is quite well honed, I think. And nothing I heard about this made me think that's going to have a ending that I'm going to get on board with. So yeah, um, I absolutely got on board with the ending. It wasn't Lostian to me at all. I think Lostian's a phrase now, but I'm using it. It it was very very well plotted. It it was a show that's based, I think, on um, either a comic or some some kind of. Pre- graphic what? novel, please. Graphic novel, yeah. Okay, I was trying to think of it. I was trying to think of it. I thought I'll just say it. Um, but yeah, it was a previous iteration, a previous uh, resource. So it had clearly been thought through rather than people going, oh, we'll put this in episode blah, or we'll put, oh, oh well, next series we might do this. It had a big a beginning, a middle and an end. And you could see that in the way that the, the storylines converged. I didn't have any points during it where I was like, mm, yeah, I'm not really getting this. Even story, not storylines, even timelines that to begin with, I was like, oh, I'm not as interested in this timeline as I am in the others. By the end, I was properly crying at one of the timelines that I, that I had very little interest in because of the way that the story developed. I really liked what it had to say. It stayed with me, which is one of the criteria for my list. I always think, like, has it stayed with, am I still thinking about it? would I want to go back to it? And actually with this, if you were watching it again, which you're clearly not going to, but I would go back and I would be like, oh, right, that's how that worked. I really did think they nailed the ending. Other opinions are out there, I'm sure. But I'm normally quite good at at going, okay, yeah, that's that. It all came together for me and I really enjoyed it. I want to ask you a story about that show that was in the, like space station or like place on earth and outside is all quarantined and people have to oh do you mean the silo yeah which was another one where i saw the thing and went nope yeah um silo is it on your list is, is it coming up my, it's not on my list and i think that was because it it started off so well and then some of the episodes became really baggy yeah okay and again that's based on an on a novel that that sold really well um was self-published actually and they were many the, the many sort of sequels to it i have now looked up with silo i have now looked up what happens next and i'm just not interested in it yeah and that it bodies was not that it was just a contained piece of work that i really enjoyed okay um i think we are going to be talking about my number four again okay go on then um, well are we going to be talking about it again Oh, is it me? No, 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 no. I mean, can you see my notes? No. Oh, so you can't read my poker face. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Sorry, poker face isn't on my list. Really? Really sorry. <laughs> I know. This is this is my problem. This is my problem. Poker face has not been on my... It's on my also rans. Also rans. Any, anything could be... I mean, it, it's just a terrible list this year because anything could come into it but i'm not left thinking about poker face as much as i am about these shows wow okay yeah. so since 
you dislike it so much. Um, Poker Face is the story of Natasha Leone, who plays Charlie. She is a croupier in a casino, and in episode one, she is witness to something, and she needs to get out of town. Insert Littlest Hobo music here. Yes. She then goes from town to town, and in each one, the show starts with a murder being committed or a crime being committed, which lead, quite often leads to a death or a maiming or whatever. It does. It does. Just, I haven't heard maiming for At a while. At the end of the introduction, we quite often see Charlie come into the scene, like even if it's just a voice in the background. And then we, it's not who did it, because we all know. It's not even a why they did it. It's how does Charlie work it out? Should be said by now. She has a way of telling when people are lying. So that comes into it. Although it's it's not it's, it's not, not like she walks that. in and goes, "Oh, I know you're lying straight away, and therefore I've solved it." She has to. She's often in the episode. She has been there all the time. Yeah. But we've not seen her because the camera has been focused on the main players committing the crime. Yeah, it's really, really clever the way they do that. So then you're left realising that she's built up a relationship with a lot of the people that you have been seeing. And then you get to see how she has worked out that maybe they've told a fib here or not, you know. And whether something's a true lie or whether it's, you know, there's lots of different types of lying or whether she just gets a tingle of like, oh, something's not quite right here. Yeah, and as opposed to something like Lie to Me or... Um, Psych, which are also like episodic detective shows where the guys can work out whether someone's telling the truth or through body action what they're doing. It's not about that. It's just a, a, a plot device that's used maybe once or twice an episode. It's about this person trying to do the right thing and find out what's happened. Um, I love this show. I think it's so clever. I am amazed it's not on your list because I know, it, is, I know. it is such an Elaine show. I know. I think it just hasn't... I don't know whether it's the, the fact that we watched it... We, we really spaced out our watching. So Yeah, we did. I think that has made it sort of... In my head, I feel like I watched an episode here, then a couple of months went by, then I watched another episode, and it just it hasn't cemented in my mind as much. And also, it, for all of its intricacy it still feels a little throwaway. It feels like an episode of Columbo that I could watch in an afternoon. I think that's the not, joy of it. Not think, it is the joy of it. It is the joy of it. But it, when I do my list, it's things that have touched me quite personally. That's often my criteria of what has stayed with me rather than what is technically a brilliant show. I know it's technically a brilliant show. Okay. What's your number four? My number four is Happy Valley, the final series. Where are you in your Happy Valley watching? Um, I am... <laughs> Zero? I am... Nil. Yes, start at the beginning. <laughs> um, Have you watched any episodes of it at all? No. The title card okay. is still rolling in my okay. head. Uh, no, I don't even know what the title card is. Okay. From As far as I'm concerned, this is a comedy. Um <laughs> It's got Raquel from um, Coronation Street. Absolutely, in. it does. Is it about her and Curly's Curly uh, marriage day? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how happy they were together. How happy they are in the valley. Yeah. No, I. It's a. It's a show that I really, really know that I need to watch. It's a show that I wanted to watch before the new series, but then never got around to it. So, um, yeah, I'll probably give it a bit of time just to 
let this breathe and let this let the yeah. let it leave pop culture so i'm not going to get halfway through and then hear someone making reference to it on an end of year list or yeah. something like that um, i think it'll be on a lot of end of year lists I so think. crack on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 well i won't say a huge amount about it other than you're right it's sarah lancashire playing Catherine kaywood who is a police officer in um a, a northern town in a, in the valley um where she has um under very sad circumstances lost her daughter she's left bringing up the daughter's child and there are a cast of characters around her including a sister um and the the uh, father of the child who is also a criminal so it's um a beautifully rendered example of real life um of relationships of people in our lives that we don't want there um being related to them in some way or being related to other people other members of our family and not wanting them to be involved in our family but having to have them that you know of the um her sister has a problem with uh, alcohol addiction so you know that sort of almost like kitchen sink drama is the phrase in the back of my head that i don't really want to use but it is it's people standing in kitchens having a conversation like people do and also when the stakes are really raised where the where action happens obviously she's a police officer when action happens as will do when you are someone who is going into crime scenes other shows would have strange dialogue coming out of you know heightened dialogue coming out of a police officer's mouth whereas if you walk into a room somewhere and find someone that you know from your village in maybe a bit of a state you're not going to come out with this beautifully rendered dialogue. You're going to go, oh yeah, you're right. And then you're going to, yes. do you know what I mean? Like, that's what you're going to do. And in this show, Sally Wainwright's writing, this, it's just phenomenal. There's, there's one scene in this where that sort of thing happens. And I literally clapped my hands together because I was like, that is totally what someone would do. Like a real person would do that they wouldn't go oh my god blah, blah, blah. they would just go you're right in that sort of t- you know that is what makes this just f- phenomenal and it doesn't go to places that you think it will it will go but it's so true to life in the way that it does it it rounded off the series beautifully things were i want to say tied together but things were resolved so you're not mm. left thinking all oh, right okay things do come to head like everything does in life people always but you know it's never always like oh well there's a cliffhanger for the next five years things do get resolved and people move on maybe in a different way and that's what this show is it's absolutely brilliant and a a testament to 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 the writing and also sarah lancashire's acting which is just phenomenal and she she gets so many sort of awards and things and just every single one is so deserved um she you cannot keep your eyes off her but also she's terrifying as a character what i love about katherine kaywood is she would terrify me she is not a cuddly mum she is hard-nosed she is you know the there are when she speaks to her grandson and he's you know working himself you know she's not you know she she says things and she does things that you think oh don't do that but that's what you would do in that circumstance if you had all that grief if you had all that thing behind you that is what it's realism it's absolute realism and yeah that's why it is my number four your number three uh fleischman is in trouble ah okay um 
Fleischman and is in trouble is my number three. <laughs> oh wow, okay. That's good. I'm so pleased. Good. I didn't think this was meet your list. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean this is top level TV, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah. Um so this is a show that stars Jesse Eisenberg. Claire Danes, Lizzie Kaplan, Adam Brody, I think, are the main three characters, four characters we meet. Um, Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes are a divorced couple, recently divorced. And one day, whilst they've got joint custody of their children, one day Claire Danes just disappears off the face of the planet. And we have to see how Jesse Eisenberg deals with being the only father whilst maintaining a career in medicine. And um, dating a lot. And dating and um but also we see how we got there, how we mm. got th- through flashback, um, we see how we got to this point of marriage and also divorce. Mm. This started off as absolutely a poster and an advert for divorce because I was watching this going, Bloody hell, he's having a lovely time, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's got this great apartment. He's on the apps. Yes. He's having lots of lovely encounters. Saw a lot of his bum. Yes, <laughs> yes, we did. Um, then the show turns into something I absolutely did not expect at all. And I think you're probably the same as me. Um, but yeah, because yeah. it's our number three. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, yeah, there is one episode where we see through flashback how things have been working on the other side yes. of the story. And it yeah, twists it completely. Yeah. Um, Lizzie Kaplan, I mean, I love Lizzie Kaplan and everything mm, she does. Um, yeah. But she's so good as like the best friend. Um, Adam Brody plays... Adam Brody in most things, I dare say, but <laughs> okay. plays it really well. Yeah, yeah. Like smarmy arsehole, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, but a lovable smarmy mm. arsehole. Um, yeah, this is on Disney Plus. We what? This is quite early on. I, what did worry that you might have forgotten this? No, and I was worried that it was a 2023 production, and I think in America it had come out. Uh, sorry, 2022. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, like... I saw the panic on your face there. Yeah, I thought it was last year rather than this year, but I know it didn't come out in the UK until 2023. So I was like, right, okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, my number two, isn't it? Because yeah. it's your number three. Yeah. Um, my number two is The Bear Season 2. The Bear. The Bear. <laughs> the Bear. Go on then. Everybody loves The Bear. They and go on about it a lot. This is the year the show exploded. Mm representative of how much the show exploded is a list of cameos that appear in this, which I'm not going to read out because they will spoil it for you. But just think of the most top-level talents you can think of. And it, they've probably cameoed in this series of TV. There was one episode that I was sort of sitting in the li- living room while you were watching it, and it was like panning around a restaurant. I don't know which one it was. And you were essentially going, oh, there's so-and-so. That, that, is that? Is that? And we were pausing it and looking. So I, I kind of... Are they cameos that are sort of in the background as well as main character or people who are coming in with main characters? So what the thing I was watching was the finale. Okay. Um, so the bear is about a Michelin star chef who is the enfant terrible of the um, of the culinary world. He is the young chef that's coming through, and his brother passes away and leaves him the family sandwich shop, um, and. Because everyone who's seen this, who I think needs to see this, I will give a little bit of information about season one. At the end of it, he decides he's going to close down the sandwich shop, which is struggling because it's a sandwich shop, and he's going to open a fine dining establishment. And this is almost in real time, or, or like week by week, 
it is them going through the process of turning a sandwich shop into a fine dining restaurant. Ebon Moss Bacharax Ritchie um, is the arsehole who works in the shop. He's his brother's best mate who is the kind of manager, senior staff member. Um, arsehole season one. This is 100% his season. I have not seen a turnaround in character this good since they managed to turn Steve from being the asshole to the hero of season two of Stranger Things. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, they're bringing Molly Gordon as Claire, as uh, Kami, who is um, the main character, the bear. Um, his love interest, she's so lovely, and also is in Theatre Camp, and direct joint director of Theatre Camp, which is um, a film which I've just watched and may appear in a later list. <laughs> okay. Still, it, it's, yeah, somewhere near there. Um, there are standout moments all the way through this series but this has a two episode back to back which is as strong as any two episodes I've ever seen of any TV show um, Fishes which is the first time they really look into flashback in this show and we see a family Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner I can't remember which one you know, mm-hmm, both, yeah. Yeah, both blend into one um, back before like a long time ago so before obviously um, Kami's brother took his life and we learn so much about these characters it is that is a stressful stressful episode for anyone who's ever been to a stressful family dinner this is a stressful family dinner turned up to 14 but again cameos coming out all the way through um, you know someone turns up and then the next person turns up and the next person turns up and yeah uh, and that's followed up by Forks which if I were to do a Mount Rushmore of TV episodes, this would be right on there. That's Richie going to work in a three-star Michelin star restaurant um, to learn front of house service. And I really enjoy and get quite emotional by um, people doing things fucking well. And I don't know if this is how three Michelin star restaurants work, but just seeing how this works in this show made me well up at how well this place was run and the efficiency and it's almost like a um <laughs> i was gonna say a beard ginsberg machine that's not what i mean because that's not a thing <laughs> yeah. what's those things like um like mousetrap where the ball drops in and it's just the right way to yeah set a i know going. what you mean to get things going and yeah i know what you mean i don't know what the name but you are thinking of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yes. which is a very excellent thing to think of on yeah. our podcast. Um, there is a sequence involving um, some people who are visiting Chicago while sat in this restaurant. And someone overhears a conversation and just between them saying, oh, we're leaving tomorrow. It's such a shame we didn't. Uh, and it then goes into a five minute side quest where someone does something just to make sure that their trip is complete. And that is how a three-star Michelin... I don't know if this is how three-star Michelin restaurants work. I bet there will some of them. Probably don't have the money to ever find out, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. But fucking hell, it's... You know, like, when you're watching Heat? Mm, Yes. And you just see how precise someone is at doing something well. Or, like, not so much even Heat, like, you know... 
Heat's a really good example because I think the way that the plans work out is just perfect because they've thought everything through. And yeah, it's the efficient. Yeah. You're yeah. you're talking about the efficiency yeah. of robbing a bank. Yeah, yeah. When nothing is left to chance, you don't take all the money. You know exactly how mm. much you you know who the driver's going to be. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. If this was a standalone episode, it would be perfect. But given Richie's character development throughout the entire series, this is one of the top three episodes of any TV show I have ever seen. Wow. So number two is the High praise. <laughs> High praise. Um, my number two you haven't seen, and I, d- I don't think you'll watch it. I think it'll be too emotive for you, to be honest with you. I don't think that it's the sort of thing that you're going to switch on and go, oh, I'll just sit and watch this really um, happy programme. <laughs> um, I might. It, it's Best Interest. I won't. Which was a, a show that was on earlier this year that I think has been forgotten quite a lot in the... Um, no, in all seriousness, I feel I need to watch this. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard watch. I'm going to be really, really honest. It's a really, really challenging watch. I think it's even more so challenging if you can, if your situation resonates with the situation that's depicted in the show. This is a show essentially about what do you do when you have a child who has life-limiting medical condition or conditions and you go into hospital and the hospital say we think it's time to stop the intervention and you say no I don't want to do that and then there's a conflict between yourselves and the hospital and it ends up going to court and that's essentially what the show is about. Things we see in the news on a regular basis. Absolutely we, we really do um but it's not just about that. It's not just a court drama. There is There are scenes in court, of course there are. And it takes it through to its conclusion. But it would be wrong to say it was a courtroom drama because it really shows you the life of the family. So once again, and you know, talking about there she goes, here we have a full depiction of what it is like to be in a family where a, me- you know, a member of your family has... Um, life-limiting medical conditions is disabled and and that the family member is a child so of course it it speaks to speaks to us even from the first scene which is where the mum played by Sharon Horgan the dad Michael Sheen yes brilliant brilliant actors um are getting giddy because they've got a night away (laughs) and you can tell that um, because the um the child played by Neve Moriarty um she is is older she's not a baby anymore she's you know she's a young teenager they've also got an an older daughter who um is played by um the actress who plays venetia in saltburn that you told me (laughs) you were you were saying oh who who is that actress because obviously i love saltburn and wax lyrical about it on a recent episode and then we sort of backtrack through her career and realize that she was the older sister in best interest anyway so they're on a train um you can tell they've not been out for probably about sort of seven years and they're getting giddy and they're you know they're doing the thing oh yeah you know might have a fun night tonight you know all of this sort of stuff and then of course they get the phone call because who amongst us looking at you have not been thinking we might get out for a couple of hours and then the coughing starts or the temperature or just a feeling you know and then oh there we are we're in hospital again you know it's that sort of thing yeah we have been there so again you know you kind of go right um we are also in a position where our situation is very similar to the situation that's depicted on the screen where we have had to make 
um you know we've had to have discussions about what do you do in that situ- situation yeah. you know we have had those discussions so again you feel uh a, it's like communing with the screen i suppose but i felt oh this is great this is my situation is being depicted and other people might understand my situation more i think there's mm. jack thorne's the writer jack thorne um writes a lot about and speaks a lot about disability representation in television and how much more there is to do. He did this brilliant speech recently, which just, just so sharp and so clever. And then he goes out and he does it. You know, he doesn't just say, oh, we need more representation. Here we are, we're, we're representing it on screen. He is writing things that show it. Um, and so you kind of, you have to have like this big hooray in you when you see the, these things these things happening. And of course, the the story is a difficult one, is a one that even if you're not in our situation, you can imagine yourself having that discussion. What happens if one parent thinks that they there should be a different decision? What happens if they think the intervention should come to a stop yeah. and the other parent says, no, I want the intervention to continue? You can imagine how that can break a relationship yeah. and the e- effect that would have on the whole family. Mm. There are some things that I think Jack Thorne does that is also very clever. The He shows how the religious, and I'm going to say it, opportunists come in when around these families. People who have an ulterior motive, particularly yeah. around women's reproductive rights, who come like birds that i'm not going to mention oh vultures um around these families but i'm not going to mention all yeah. vultures <laughs> who come around the, from my perspective come around these families who are in desperate desperate need and offer them money and say we will give you legal support and what he does it's really clever because there's a point where sharon horgan is She's so desperate. She's going, and she's saying to them, "I agree with abortion." You know, <laughs> I agree with abortion. And you can, you can see, it's not just, it's not just like badly written. Oh, and then she says she's gonna, you know, get yeah. in with these people. You can see her really tussling with that question of should I accept money from these people who I fundamentally disagree with, but they will help me get to court. That's what's you know really 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 important and it has there are some things in it that as a parent of a disabled child just i'd never seen that depicted before there is there is a scene where there is another parent talking to sharon horgan and essentially says to her you know how long you know ask the question how long will will your child live you know this is how long my child may live for and you don't see that on screen. And there is something about having that on the television screen that is so powerful that makes you feel less alone. That is my number two. It's a jolly list, your list, isn't it? <laughs> I told you it was about things that stayed with me. Okay. My number one. Go on. And you know, as I'm, as I'm waxing lyrical about the bear, I'm thinking, why the <laughs> fuck is this number one? <laughs> I mean, you must know what this is. Well, I'm thinking it's the same as mine. <laughs> Have I missed something off my list again? Well, I'm now thinking, is mine a 2022 show? <laughs> What's your number one? My number one is Colin from Accounts. Okay, my number one is Succession. 
<laughs> I forgot about Succession. <laughs> there we go. Did this happen a while yeah, ago? I, I did it with the bear last year. Yeah. I'm not sure Succession would be on my list. Would you not? Wow. No. Okay, let's come back to that. Let's do Colin from Accounts as your number one first. Yes. Um, <laughs> for, for people at home, Marcus just furrowed his brow, looked at his notes and kind of just... <laughs> just did something with the eyes there that and and then with the tongue that I can't quite describe but looks a little bit like maybe 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 I should have put maybe. succession Colin from accounts yeah Colin from accounts a rom-com um starring Patrick Bramwell as Gordon and Harriet Dyer as Ashley they are a real life couple and I think this part of this shows in that their chemistry is absolutely spot on as it would be them being married this starts out with Gordon driving along. Ashley crosses the road in front of his car. He beeps her. She distracts him and he hits a dog. What a funny show. The dog's okay. Great. Not okay. The dog has to have serious uh, medical treatment. Um, but there's no way of, they can't contact the owners. They don't know who they are. Um, so they adopt the dog using joint custody. And then we then see how their friendship and two people who've never ever met each other before is bonded by this dog. Do you know what the dog's name is? Is the dog's name Colin by any chance? Yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> this is a perfectly, perfectly staged rom-com for over 30s who are world-weary and cynical. Hello. <laughs> yes, yes. This play. This is my catnip. The way that they interact, there is a scene um, with a where Gordon brings home a date and uh, Ashley is like stopping over at his apartment to look after the dog. Brilliantly, it's brilliantly set up. And the way that the three, the three people in this interact, just absolutely hilarious and also mortifying at the same time. There is an episode where they go to dinner at Ashley's parents and one of the characters of the year turns up um, which I'm laughing at just now, just thinking about it. I think the reason this worked so much and the reason I uh, realised this was working so much for me is the penultimate episode, which is Ashley's birthday party, where Gordon has to deal with loads of annoying millennials. And suddenly I realised, oh my God, I am Gordon. I would hate every single one of these fuckers too. And yeah, um, yeah, the he meets all these all Ashley's work friends and everything who are entitled and absolute knobheads. Yeah, and I'm like, this is why this show works yeah. because this is made for me, yeah. being someone who's over thirty and pretty much hates everyone who's younger than them. <laughs> this is a show you need to see. Uh, there's so many people who I know who love this, and I'm talking to you there. You need to see this. Yeah, and and also um, Dawn Glenn who is a writer for the custard tv website and also appears very frequently on the custard tv podcast um absolutely brilliant writer she has been talking about and writing about her shows of the year and colin from accounts uh, she did a beautiful piece for the custard tv uh, website where she she talks about you know how good it is and I got in touch with her to to say how much I was enjoying the writing and she said even for you Elaine even yes. for you with your lack of she didn't say this but I'm going to say it for myself your lack of comedy nouns um even you would like this I think the 
Ashley and Gordon talk to each other again, like the like the leads in There She Goes. They talk to each other like we talk to each other. And I think that really, really works for me. Um, it's really well written in that way that they feel genuine conversations that people are having. And when people are arguing, you feel it's for genuine reasons. Yeah, I, I, I've just recently finished this show this last week. And it was a show that I've been wanting to catch up with for this top 10 list. And yeah, absolutely adore it. So can I talk about why Succession didn't make my list? Because the answer is, it was never in contention. And I'm not sure why. How that's that's happened. Have you, because it was so big, it was something that we sat down together, sing the theme tune together, talk about the elephant in the opening credits, talk about whether the opening credits had changed, listen to every Succession recap, podcast from the podcast people that we like you know we looked forward to the next episode we picked apart what was gonna gonna happen and yet for you this final series has clearly just gone out of your head whereas for me it was just oh it's successions number one i know it is that's my show of the year i just know it before i even start the list mm. so i'm right so i'm looking back mm. had i thought of this I don't think I'd put it above Starstruck. Okay. It would be bottom five. Okay. Probably would put it higher than Celebrity Race <laughs> Across the World. <laughs> but I think I'm going to unpick it for you a bit. Let's do some psychology. I think the fact that you didn't think about it means it's not one of your big shows of the year. Yeah, yeah. That's, it has yeah. to be, doesn't it? You know, when I'm looking at mine, I'm thinking, what has stayed with me? It can't have stayed with you because yeah. you would have thought of it. Yes, yeah. It, it would have been... You know, like even I, I was thinking, oh, sex education, oh, poker face. I've got them in my also runs, but you've just completely gone. Well, I've watched that, and that's off into the distance. I didn't see this coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think I think it rings true for your list. If it's not something that's even swimming about in your brain, then why would you put it higher than Star Trek? Why would you? Why would you have it on your top ten? Yeah. At all, because it's not stayed with you. So, yes, you could critique it and we could do a review of it like, you know, we normally do. But if it's your, and I always think of these as not necessarily the best shows of the year. I always position them as these are my favourites or these are the things that have spoken to me. It's never the best. I'm not a TV critic. I'm not a film critic. I'm not a journalist. This is just what stayed with me. Yeah, I mean, look. This should have been. This should have been on my list. Um, You're backtracking. <laughs> no, it, sh- it should have been. It should have been. Um, I I have got issues with this with this season. Okay. Um, and looking back now, I think it's how it wasn't episodic, but it was certainly it was it was the fact that each episode was kind of like a standalone situation. Okay. I don't think that entirely worked for me. Yeah, um, I think you had an issue, if I remember our review as well, with the ending as well, with some of people's motivations at the end. Absolutely. Thank mm. you for reminding me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you listened to that? that. Oh, no, no, I no. haven't. I just remembered it because I I remember thinking that I, I disagreed with you at the time and I was thinking, what was I going to say about why it was going to be my number one? And one of the things that I had li- listed in my notes was that it kept me guessing right until the end. And people made decisions right at the end that I was just like, wow, that is amazing. You know, like that is such good storytelling. 
and I and I loved it and I went with it, but I remember you not going with it and us having a bit of yeah. a like a, a, a real disagreement about about someone the way someone looked or whether they were gonna go in there and mm. do it all along and they had what their what was in their mind, what was in their psychology. And we had a real disagreement about that. And I I think the the key to this season, this final season, as that it, it whipped things out from underneath us fairly early on and there were plot not twists but things happened that were kept so under wraps and were not hinted at even if you'd sat you know as we would do over the years thinking what's going to happen here what's going to happen there I was completely taken aback with what happened how it happened um and also where people were at the time we're talking about the Connor's wedding episode yes we are people always talked about Episode three, because I think the first four were released to critics. So people were saying, oh, season three, uh, episode three is the one where everything changes. I could have written down on a piece of paper there and okay. sealed it and said the thing that happened. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. <sighs> I didn't pick up on the sort of those early reviews of people saying, oh, well, so, and I hadn't thought about it. You know, it hadn't just clicked in, in my head. I just, I really enjoyed it. I love the depiction of the different relationships, you know the stuff that Lady Caroline, who is an amazing, amazing character, is um, Roy's ex-wife. Yes. You know, the things she says to her children and the way that she, you know, it's so it's so heightened, but you can imagine it. You know, you can read, you, you get, you know this person and you know what they're like and the, the bitterness and the nastiness and, but with a smile and you know well can i introduce you to the <laughs> dinner with parents episode uh, <laughs> of colin from accounts yeah, yeah I, I just i loved it and even though the 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 roy family are not a pleasant family and you see the excess and you see the greed and you see them getting away with you know the worst things in life you still feel sorry for them and that i know that's always been the case but you know, I still feel sorry for them as as real people, even though they're not real. And I I came away thinking it's it's just great, and I'm so glad it's in the world, and I'm so glad we have had the privilege of watching it. And I think the insight into the writing as well has really been a bonus. You know, releasing the scripts, Jesse Armstrong doing a lot of talking about the process in the writer's room, a lot of the other people in the writer's room as well, you know, coming out and having their say about how how it works and how they wrote certain, you know, the certain people will write certain characters and have that voice. Yeah. As a writer, I find that there's a generosity around the sharing of it. It's not just, well, you know, we're going to, it's a big secret and we're never going to talk about the process because that's something that we've got over you. You can tell that they really want to help up and coming screenwriters, Mm. writers, authors. They want to give an insight to people who want to be within that industry. They were very supportive of the writers strikes and yeah, I think they're just good eggs as well. I I really like the team behind Succession. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of them British. You know, so it's like yeah. You know, um, I, I, I like them as people. I loved the show, and I, I it was always going to be my number one. You know what we need? Another 
10? No, we need something like Letterboxd, but for... Oh, for telly. Telly, so that I can log these shit (laughs) and then not get caught out like this for a third year in a row. (laughs) Well, it's my favourite thing. I can never remember how we work it. And even when you tell me at the beginning of every one of these episodes, I still manage to muck it up partway through. And then, uh, you know... You you just forget about shows. Go on, do you want to go through your nearly men? My my, my, my nearly my nearly men. Yeah. Oh, is that like an also ran? Yeah. Is that yeah. a synonym for? Also? Oh, right, okay. Um, so I've got the sixth commandment, which was a crime drama, but it was a true crime drama about two people later on in life who had the wool pulled over their eyes by um a young man who pretended to be religious. Why are you laughing? I thought you were going to go through a list of them. I didn't think we were doing a review of every oh, single sorry. one. I was just trying to remind you. I was trying to remind you and the people at home of, of what it was. And it was it was, it was was amazing. People have said it's really tra- changed true crime um, dramas because it, the, of the respect it showed to the family, to the people involved. Um, I think it, 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 it just some of the other things just stayed with me for personal reasons um i've got poker face then i've got sex education i've got beckham the documentary beckham which was very very nearly made it onto onto 10 because i enjoyed beckham so much i've got the fall of the house of usher which i don't think we talked about but i was didn't know this, you'd watch that yeah what well i wasn't going to because it's one of these really spooky scary shows on netflix and then i watched a bit of it it was such heightened horror that I really got into it. it was a lot about Edgar Allan Poe. I fast forwarded quite a bit of it, to be honest with you, where I thought it might be scary. Um, and it was fine. It didn't involve ghosts, so I was all right. Um, Does anyway. it make me want to watch it? Um, no. Sorry, are you talking about Usher as in, you are, aren't you? Yeah. You make me want to leave the one I'm with, start a new relationship. I as did Usher another thing says. there. Yeah, you see, because yeah. oh. that's another one of his songs. <laughs> and that's, that is Do the... Do you know any more Usher songs? No, it's not coming, is it? Did you? Did he sing? You remind me of a girl. Oh, that might be one. I, oh, I don't know. I don't know whether that's Usher. You go through the rest of your list. Thanks. I'm going to look up who that um, is. The Last of Us nearly made it on. Now, The Last of Us again has a brilliant episode in it um, involving Nick Offerman. Everyone who's heard of the The Last of Us will know what that episode is. He and his co-star, who I can't remember the name of, it's mainly a two-hander. Um, they have been up for best supporting actor things from all the awards uh, very much deserved oh, i'm sorry i'm just looking up us yet sorry could you say who we were talking about there what do you mean what my the show i was talking about because yes, you, you were looking up usher yeah i was talking about the last of us yeah and you don't know who the main two actors are no this is in this episode oh, that I'm talking sorry about. it's nick offerman offerman Hoff- yeah yes. offerman and then there's there's another guy who plays the the co-star of that episode it's a right. bit of a it's a bit of a standalone Sorry, episode I that everyone's been talking about anyway thank you <laughs> you should um i just found it so depressing like technically it's brilliant uh bella ramsey they're brilliant uh, the the other guy who is in a who's the mandalorian yeah, Pascal. Uh, thank you um is brilliant the 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 technicality of the show i watched a lot of behind the scenes but i find the post-apocalyptic shows now to be so depressing like i just 
I end up thinking about what we would do and I end up thinking about all the disabled people and how they would get out of the situations and the stupid ableism of the world and if we can't make new cafes have a ramp you know when we're building them and like give accessibility to wheelchair users what 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 is the world gonna do if it all goes to shit that well they're just gonna leave us behind on you know it's a i get really depressed about the state of humanity when i watch these post-apocalyptic shows so i i I liked it for its technicality, but I just it made me depressed. Murray um, Bartlett is the Oh, thank you. Actor. Thank you, because it is very much two hundred and I I just couldn't remember the name. And Usher did sing You're a Man. <laughs> thank you. Brilliant. Full of facts. And then my last one, which I get really it nearly nearly made it on the list. And I'm really sad and maybe I just need to think about it a bit more, but but it's a documentary called David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. Oh yes, you watched this recently. I did. I, saw it on I watched Sky. it, and I think I probably maybe I watched it too recently, and then I felt maybe I I would be putting it on the list because I'd only just watched it in the last few days. But it's a story of Daniel Radcliffe's Harry Potter stunt double, and he has an accident on set of one of the later films and is paralysed, and. What's beautiful about this story is you would think, and it's executive produced by Daniel Radcliffe, you would think that it's very much going to be playing off the Daniel Radcliffe, that he is the star that we all know, he's the front-facing person, he's producing it, it's going to be maybe more of Daniel Radcliffe than it is of David Holmes, that is so not the case. And I think that was something that I really worried about and then it was completely put to one side. This is David's story. And what I loved about it was how much it showed you the camaraderie between Radcliffe and the young lads that he was with who were from the stunt team. And he even says in the documentary, you know, people think that I'm best mates with the actors, but actually the people I spend the most time with are the crew. The crew are mm. who I'm with. The crew are my brothers. And they were all around the same age, maybe a couple of years older. So these are young gymnasts, um, stunt men. But you say stunt men, but actually they're stunt boy. You know, they're 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 going into teenage years, then they're going into adulthood. Um, you know, at one point David Holmes says, you know, they gave me a check for sixty five thousand pounds. I spent it all on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And you can absolutely believe that he would have done as an eighteen year old because who wouldn't? He is having the time of his life. And then this incident occurs on the set and you see how that's affected the people who were there at the time clearly something went wrong um and that will weigh on you know especially in a stunt team where health and safety you see how that played out you know for david and for his family and you would imagine that there would be a lot of recrimination but there isn't for him and he is very much a role model um, of how to live your life once something like this occurs. and it, But it doesn't sugarcoat the difficulties. You know, he has some very, very emotive conversations. He says, you know, as I get older, things will change. You know, you think the worst thing is this incident and then you think everything from there will be rehabilitation but actually as we get older you know our joints aren't going to work as much our body is going to decline as as we all do but for him that might mean the loss of the use of a remaining arm or one day he might not be able to swallow you know all of those things you you see there's so much vulnerability in it 
and I felt that I it was a um, a portrait of a man and very very well done very well done it, it you know there's you're thinking about succession where should succession be on my list. the more I talk about David Holmes the boy who lived the more I want it to be very much on on my list and it just didn't just you know I, I think I talked myself out of it by thinking well I've only just seen it in the last 48 hours and I'm probably you know putting it too too high but sod the lists I think everyone should just watch this um watch this documentary if I mean it might, would have really brought down the turn yeah, of the list yeah, as well yeah, yeah, yeah. um I think if you set aside sort of the, it's really difficult I don't want to say set aside David's story but if you put David's story just to one side for a moment the other thing is how much it shows you what goes into a production of a film mm. showing you the risk that people put themselves in every single day multiple times for someone in you know a, a, a wig yes. who we think is daniel radcliffe who yeah. it would have been on our, i'm pointing at our telly you know at christmas time where they show all the harry potter movies one after one after you know the other it will be a split second on a screen that we think nothing of and that is a young lad doing the most dangerous stunt to make it look like he's bounced off a turret in Hogwarts. Mm. And they are doing that to make magic for us that we don't appreciate. And I came away with this sense of, oh, I'm so glad I've seen that now and seen that behind the scenes world so that I can have that greater appreciation when I go to the cinema. Yeah. And when I'm sort of like, you know, having a go at a film, maybe I've got that in the back of my mind a bit more about the people who make that film. Like every film is difficult to make and people are putting their lives at risk to do an action scene. And people get hurt, you know, people get really, really hurt for our entertainment. It's a good job you've not got many films to put on your <laughs> list then, because otherwise th- this th- that episode could go on even longer than this. Fuck yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the also runs have kind of like swept up a bit. Anyway, yeah, that's that. That's it all for me. There's no more on the list. There could have been hundreds. I've watched a lot of telly this year. I really have. Like, I wish we did have a letterbox, because then I would have, like, I <laughs> would be able to have a really good sort of, like, checking things off whereas with films i've had to go through imdb for 2023 released films and i got to 400 and i still didn't have a blooming top 10 well that's our list that's our list what's your list let us know uh, i just have <laughs> but yeah if you would l- like to get in touch with us we are on the socials we are at the honeymoon pod on instagram and we are still on twitter at the honeymoon pod again please let us know if you agree disagree <laughs> If you too have forgotten Succession <laughs> on your top 10 TV list. Oh, I can't believe I've done it two years in a row. <laughs> we'd love to hear I'm from you so genuinely. Sure. Um, we've been hearing from quite a lot of people recently and we've been getting some really lovely reviews as well and lovely feedback. And we really do appreciate everyone getting in contact with us. It still surprises us years and years down the line that anyone actually listens to our mad ramblings. So thank you so much to everyone who's got in touch with us recently. And, uh, and please do continue to, to get in contact with us because we love hearing from you. 
And then we'll see you for our films in a couple of days, I think. Mm -hmm. See you later. Bye.